Welcome to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Chloe Rogers, and I'm the Digital Engagement Director here at Rolling Hills. In our current series, Refine, we've been looking at the seven deadly sins and how we can fight these sins together. And today we're talking all about greed. Money can have a tight hold on many people's lives. It can cause unhealthy habits and deeply affect relationships, both with others and with God. That's why we want to not only learn to fight greed, but to also grow in generosity in all ways. And the best part is you're never fighting alone. So let's learn to fight together. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It is so good to be together today. Welcome everybody here at our Franklin campus. Welcome everybody who's joining in online. So grateful to be together and to worship our great God. And I just returned uh, recently from the Amazon. We do a pastor's conference there in the Amazon. You know, about 15 years ago as a church, we started our own nonprofit called Justice and Mercy International. And so we do work with orphans and vulnerable children in Moldova and we train pastors and work with children and special needs children in the Amazon. And uh, it's incredible, you guys. And I just wanna say thank you for your, your prayers, for your generosity, because you are making a difference. I mean, these are the men and women who are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And it's incredible to see what God is doing. And so we, through JMI, right, we work in about 52 out of the 62 municipalities in the Amazon. And so I'll just throw you a map up here. The Amazon's huge, by the way, I don't know, you know. I used to like think the Mississippi was big, and I went there, and I was like, wow, that's big. I mean, it's like massive river, but there are all these people in all these communities, and you talk about taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. There's so many tribes of people who haven't heard, and so by God's grace, we have a conference center there in the Amazon. You fly to Manaus, and you, you take a boat about three hours down the Amazon, and we have this conference center there. We have a boat right now called the Splendor, which... The pastors sleep on the boat, all right? So we, they walk up to the conference center, we sleep up there and we do training, but they sleep in hammocks on the boat. And if they're married, they sleep with their wives in the hammock. It's kind of crazy, huh? <laughs> I don't know if we could do that. Lisa and I, like, I don't know, you know, but, but they do. They sleep there and you can see these pastors, their wives, they come, many of them five days by boat, like, and they're coming from villages like 30,000 people or 100,000 people, but, but they come and they're just renewed and refreshed and, and God is moving in the hearts and lives. We bring guitars, we give away all kinds of things. This pastor wanted a guitar, he was super excited. <laughs> he was like, greatest thing. I mean, like, they're having awesome worship today right there in that church and uh, it's just amazing. Amazing, and so thank you. Just to give you some perspective, right? You know, COVID was bad here, but I mean, imagine down there in Manaus and Brazil, and, and these pastors were going in and helping families. For the last two years, they have just been in a battle, and, and we've seen lives saved physically, spiritually. And, and give you like some perspective, in 2019, 
Uh, you as a church, we as a church, we, uh, we gave about 300 food bags to feed families uh, that were hungry in 2019 up and down the river and a food bag feeds like a family for about a month. Well, in 2021, we gave 19,000 food bags. I mean, amazing, isn't it? I mean, that's... So it's incredible what God's doing, and you guys, you're, you're impacting lives you know, around the world and in parts of the world that, that not many people go to. And so I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. It's amazing. So, hey, also, welcome back. We're in this incredible series called Refine. And, and I love this series, you know, because God's really refining us. You see, the goal of your life, right, if you're a Christ follower, the goal of your life is to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's what it says, Romans 8, 29, for those God foreknew... God knows who's gonna accept him. He also predestined, meaning God has a plan, a purpose for you, is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. So your life, my life, should be looking more like Christ. And you think about it in your life, am I looking more like Jesus, right? Am I looking more like Christ in my life? And so God's refining us, and we're walking through these seven deadly sins, all right? You see that in Proverbs chapter six, it says there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. The early church fathers boiled these sins down and said, these are kind of the headwater sins. These, this is where sin comes from. But God wants to redeem those in our lives. You know, we all struggle with these sins. But God wants to do something deeper in us. So you, you watch the bumper every week, and everybody's like trying to figure out, what, what is that? You know, like what's going on? And it's actually a tattoo ink that was dropped into an aquarium. Our video team's so incredible and like creative, like how they figure that out. But you can watch as these change and so the first week, Pastor Nick from our Nashville campus talked about lust, this deadly sin of lust. And yet God wants to redeem that in our lives and let us live a life of love, right? Lust is what can you do for me? How can you make me feel? Love is what can I do for you, right? How can I make you feel? How can I serve you? And that is transformational in our marriages. That's transformational in our lives. That's how we're called to live as Christ followers, right? To live a life of love, love God, love others. Last week, Pastor T from our Columbia campus talked about this sin of gluttony, right? And yet God wants to, wants to transform us into moderation, that we don't be excessive in all of these areas and these things in our lives. And then today we're talking about this, the sin of greed, all right, greed. Now, I know not everybody struggles with that here, right? But, but man, just think about this, in American society, it's a struggle for all of us because we don't think about greed as a sin, we're kind of like, it's capitalism, right? I mean, just get as much as you can. That's what we do as Americans. It's all about the money. Show me the money, right? That, that's the way we live. Uh, recently, there was a golfer, Phil Mickelson, and, and he came out and said the PGA Tour, the Professional Golf Association Tour, is obnoxiously greedy. And, and people kind of pushed back at first, and then they were like, yeah, you're right. You, know? <laughs> you kind of go, okay, yeah. There is a lot of greed out there. We, we look at Wall Street and we go billions of dollars, right? And then sometimes we celebrate that and go, wow, look at that. You know, we have shows, the lifestyle, the rich and almost famous. You know, we have shows of like yachts and multi-million dollar houses. And, and it's easy for us to let that kind of slip into our mind and make that our goal. My goal is to make a lot of money, right? My goal is to have all this stuff and have all these things. And there's really nothing wrong with money. In fact, 1 Timothy chapter six tells us the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say money is. Money can be used to do a lot of good. Guys, you're doing a lot of good in the Amazon. You're doing a lot of good with orphans. You're doing a lot of good with ministry right here. You're making a huge impact and a huge difference. But the love of money, 
And God wants to transform us, right? God wants us not to be greedy people and fall in love with this culture and this thing and think that that's going to define us. You know, hey, I'm successful because of this, the things of this world. But he wants us to find our worth and our value in him. He wants us to trust him. He wants to be our provider, our healer, our sustainer. God says, let me be enough for you. I'll take care of your needs. I want you to run after that. I want you to be blessed, but I want you to run after me <laughs> and finding our worth in him. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you have a Bible, I invite you open with me to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. So it's kind of in the middle of your Bible. If you just open in the middle, you'll maybe get close. If you go to the Psalms, go to the right and you'll hit Proverbs. But Proverbs chapter 28. Now, Proverbs was written by this guy, Solomon. And Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. That's a pretty good title, right? I mean, like, you know, he prayed when he became the king of Israel. And God said, you can have anything. What do you want? You want riches? You know, you want power? And he says, I want wisdom. I want wisdom to lead the people. Man, what if we prayed for that? God, give me wisdom to lead my family. God, give me wisdom to lead ministry. God, give me wisdom in my day. So he's the wisest man that ever lived, but he also became the wealthiest man that ever lived. I mean, if you put this guy's wealth in today's dollars, he'd be wealthier than Warren Buffett or Bill Gates. I mean, so he knows a lot about money. He knows a lot about wisdom. And he comes along and he says this, verse 20. He says, a faithful person will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. He says, you be faithful to the things of God. God will take care of you. You hold on to him. But if you're eager to get rich, right? And that's what greed is. It's this insatiable desire. I gotta have it. I gotta have it. Somehow that's me, my fulfillment. I want that, I want that, I want that. And then he says, to show partiality is not good. Yet a person will do wrong for a piece of bread. And the thing about greed so often is, man, it becomes this, this insatiable desire and it, it ends up, into wrongdoing. And we, we step over the line because we're pursuing that so much. I read the other day, 90% of crimes in America have to do with money. And you think about, well, there's white collar crimes. You know, there's embezzlement, right? There's insider trading. There's these crimes. But then there's also crimes of stealing and murder over money. And that's what can happen. It says the stingy are eager to get rich and are unaware that poverty awaits them. The stingy. You know stingy people? I mean, I don't know anybody who's stingy and happy. I mean, they're just holding everything. And when you become stingy, right, it's like you're grasping onto this and you're holding it so tight. And whenever you do that, you feel the tension in your shoulders. You're like, ah, oh, I gotta hold on to this. When you release and you go, okay, God, it's all yours. <laughs> God, I trust you, you know? Man, there's relaxation. There's, there's healing that comes in your life. Hey, whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than the one who has a flattering tongue. You know, we don't like to talk about sin. <laughs> we don't like to talk about sin in church. We'd rather, I mean, let's talk about happy things. You know, but, but there are happy things with God. I mean, it's awesome, it's awesome. But, but God deals with sin because he knows as a loving father, right? When, when we see our kids doing something and we go, no, 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 no. Do, do you realize that the people who love you in life are the ones who will tell you no? All right, the world's gonna say, buy it, you know, smoke it. I mean, the world's gonna say, do whatever, you feel good. You know? The people who love you are gonna be like, whoa, 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 you're going off the wrong direction. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't date him, don't date her. You know, listen, listen, listen. Hey, we need people in our life. And that's what God's word does. When we talk about as pastors, right? We're, we're, we're to comfort the afflicted. 
And we do on Sundays, man, this is a time of healing, I pray, that we come and we feel the presence of God with those pastors in the Amazon. I mean, that's week, that was a time of healing. I mean, so many of them have been in this battle for two years and, and they came and, and just the weight and the grief. We had them, you know, make little boats, paper boats, and they wrote down names of, of people who have passed away. I mean, we put them in the Amazon and they just cried. And many of them haven't dealt with that grief or that, that pain. It was so healing and therapeutic. And I pray every Sunday that you come in and you feel the presence of God. You feel God just going, hey, I love you. You are enough. You are my delight. I hope and pray you feel that. But we also comfort the afflicted, but we also, right, afflict the comfortable. But there's times that we get comfortable and we just kind of let sin kind of come in. We're just like, oh, it's no big deal. And God's going, no, 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 not just a flattering tongue. I want you to hear there's some things that maybe, maybe, maybe you're drifting off and going after the world. Whoever robs their father or mother and says it's not wrong is partner to one who destroys and you're like, who's going to rob their father or mother? Nobody would do that, right? Well, <laughs> today in America, we have the biggest transfer of wealth we've ever seen from one generation to the next. And the sad part is there's so many people that I've talked to who their families are fighting, fighting over wills, fighting over money. You know, you got family members suing other family members. And I'm like, what is going on? But this comes true. And then it looks at verse 25, the greedy, the greedy stir up conflict. But those who trust in the Lord will prosper. See, God wants you to prosper. God wants you to flourish. God wants you to reach your full potential. And so he says, hey, if you start going off in this greedy and it becomes all about money for you, I'm telling you, it will lead you away from me. You will fall in love with the world and there will be conflict around you. But if you stay in me, you hold on to me. You trust me. You will prosper. You know, I pray for you. I, I, I do. I pray over my family. I pray over our church. I pray for everybody who calls Rolling Hills home. And, and, and I, a lot of times I pray Psalm 1. And Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of sinner or sit in the way of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree. This is what I pray for you. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. And whatever he does prospers. I want you to prosper. I want you to prosper as a husband, as a wife, as a, as a, as a grandparent. I want you to prosper as a student. I want you to prosper in whatever job God's called you to. I want you to be planted by streams of water, God's word, and be nourished and be filled and to prosper. And yet the world comes along and says, hey, follow me. The world comes along and says, hey, pursue and find your worth in things and stuff and success. And you're like, hold on, find your worth in God and God will take care of you. God will provide for you and God will provide through you and you will prosper. All right, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. I'd love for you to write down. Just if you've got a worship guide, it just helps you remember. If you write, jot some notes down, you think, oh yeah, okay. And if you're online, you go to the Rolling Hills app and you can kind of fill in some blanks there. But here's some things as we talk about this sin of greed. Number one is this, greed is a struggle for everyone. I mean, everybody, right? You, you face this at our lives, right? A faithful person will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich. Now remember, money's not bad. It's good, right? It can be used to do a lot of good. 
But if we're eager to get rich, this insatiable desire for more things, more wealth, more power, more stuff, right? Eager to get rich will not go unpunished. Look at this one. Greed is putting money over God. I mean, it's just simply, right? Money's gonna satisfy. Money's gonna take care of all my problems. Money is my goal of my life. And God, you know what? I'm pursuing this. In the Old Testament, when uh, God delivered his people out of a land of slavery, out of Egypt, he brought them in the promised land. And, and he said, hey guys, I'm gonna give you houses you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant, right? Because they had been gone for about 400 years from the promised land, Abraham's land, right? And, when, and they left, other people moved in. And so when they come back, God moves those people out and they've got houses, they've got vineyards. And God says, okay, here's the deal. You move in. And I'm going to give you all these harvest fields, but, but, but don't harvest all the way to the edges of your field. Leave some for the poor. Then he says, hey, listen, every seven years, you let the land rest. Seven times seven, 49. So the 50th year, we're going to call it the year of Jubilee. You cancel all debts. You let slaves go free. You just have a year of celebration, right? And yet we never have a record of them ever doing it. <laughs> And you're thinking, why? You were slaves, now you have all this. And they're thinking, well, we can go to the edges of the field. We could get more, right? We're not canceling debts, we're not doing that. It just so easily creeps in. I don't know if you remember this, but when personal computers came out, the computer came out, people were testifying before Congress. And they were saying, the computer is gonna change the way Americans live. Everything's gonna be automated, the work week will drop to 20 hours a week. I mean, it's gonna be incredible. The big question is gonna be, what are people gonna do with all their free time? I mean, that's what they had before Congress. They're talking about this. Well, I don't know. I mean, people can spend time with their family. I mean, people can, you know, go fishing. I don't know. People can go to church, you know. But what happened? Oh, yeah, we said, well, if we can get that much done in 20 hours, what can we get done in 40 hours? What can we get done in 60 hours, right? What can we get done in 80 hours, right? It just creeps in so slowly. And we get eager for that, eager for that, eager for that. Here's what, here's what Jesus said. This is good. Jesus said this, right? No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He's like, you gotta make a decision. Yeah, you, you can't serve both. Now, money's not bad, like I said. I mean, it's, it's, it can be used for a lot of good. But at some point, you gotta say, who's in control? <laughs> or what am I living for? Is it the things of God or is it the things of this world? Is it the things of this world? Here's a quick test, a quick test, just to see if there's greed in your life, right? Do you complain more than you're grateful? Do, do you complain more than you're grateful? You're scrolling through, oh, God, why don't I have that boat? You know, God, why don't I have that house? God, why don't I on that trip? God, what's wrong? Or you're like, God, thank you. I have all this. God, it'd be nice to have that. That'd be great. If you want to give that to me, awesome. You know, but, but God, I'm thankful. God, I'm grateful. Everything I have comes from you. And God, I want to live it all for your name and for your glory. Do you complain more than you're grateful? Look at that. Okay, look. Get rich schemes abound today because of greed. You know, my mom's older. I love my mom. She's awesome. She's 91 and she's amazing. 
But what drives me crazy, she gets these calls from these people like, hey, you want a truck? And I'm like, mom, you didn't want a truck, okay? You know, just send us $40. Mom, don't send us $40, right? And I'm like, who are you people? Do something with your life. Why are you calling my mom? You know, like, pray on the elderly. Who are these? Like, I just, I'm going to show up, mom, when they call, you know? I, but just crazy. But we could get caught up in that, right? We could get caught up in that. Like, oh, if I could just win the lottery. If I could just go to Vegas, man, if I go to Vegas, I'm going to hit it all. And I'm like, people who go to Vegas, I'm like, please set a limit. Okay. Like, yeah, you can go. It'd be fun. But set a limit because those are big hotels for a reason. You're not going to win. I mean, like, you may win a few hands, but ultimately there's fountains there because the people keep coming and they keep thinking they're going to win and you're just not. And, and it's just crazy, but we fall prey to this and because we think money's going to solve all our problems. I tell you what concerns me. Today is, is, is sports gambling has just become like off the charts. I mean, you see ads everywhere and you're going, oh, please, 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 please be really careful. I mean, it's so easy to pull your phone out and go, man, okay, I'm going to bet on the Rams, you know, here we go, you know, but I mean, what happens if they don't score, you know, and then the tension and the pressure and you're like, hold on, people eager to rich, hold on, do it God's way, trust him, God provides, hold on, trust him, look at this. Hey, it's good to have ambition. You know, that's not what we're talking about. I, I want you, we have a lot of type A people here. We have a lot of successful people here. Keep going. You're crushing it. Do great. But guard your heart against greed. Guard your heart against greed. Hey, if you have the gift for making money, make money. But use it for the glory of God. You know? Don't just go, I just want more and more and more for me, for me, for me, for me, for me, for these things. Because it doesn't ultimately satisfy I read the other day, 80%, okay, get this, 80% of professional athletes, we see them sign those big contracts, we're like, oh, why didn't I sign a contract for five million a year? <laughs> but 80% of professional athletes are broke or in financial distress two years after leaving their sport. Two years. 70% of lottery winners, 70% of lottery winners are broke or in financial distress five years after winning the lottery. See, it's not about the money, right? It's about how you manage it. Don't let it manage you. Here's a, here's a great example. You get a job offer, and you're looking at the numbers, you're like, well, heck yeah. Are you kidding me? I'm taking that job. But at some point, you gotta go, wait a minute. God, do you want me to take this job? God, is this from you? God, what's it gonna do to my family? What's it gonna do to my marriage? How much travel's involved for my kids? Am I gonna be there on Sundays? Am I gonna be able to worship? Am I gonna be able to serve? There's other factors to consider. Don't let it control you, you control it. And when greed comes in, oh man, here's the thing, greed is destructive. Greed's destructive. And, and the wisest guy who ever lived says this, right? He says, hey, the greedy stir up conflict. How many times have you had arguments over money, right? The greedy stirs up comedy. But those who trust in the Lord will prosper. Not you might, not you could, you will. This is not prosperity gospel, guys. This is real life. This is prospering in your marriage. This is prospering in your relationships. This is prospering with your friends. This is prospering in the Lord. You will prosper. Do it right. Greed is one of those seven deadly sins. And when I, we first were like laying out this whole series, I was thinking, Greed really is a sin, you know, and you kind of start thinking about it more, and you're like, yeah, yeah, because it's destructive. It destroys relationships. See, greed impacts your relationship with God 
and with others. It impacts your relationship with God in this way. The 10 commandments, right? The number one commandment, no other gods before God. What did Jesus say? <laughs> Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if I'm living my life thinking that money is gonna satisfy, thinking that I success and my identity comes in what kind of stuff I have, and I want people to see me for that versus, hey, I'm living my life for God, then I've put that over God. I've put that over God. But it also impacts your relationship with others. If I were to ask you to raise your hand, if, if, if anybody, if you're married here and you've had a disagreement over money, everybody would raise their hand, right? I mean, it just, it happens. It, it happens. And there's times you talk about it, but you don't let it come in and let Satan get a foothold in your marriage over this area. You work together in this area. You know, we've seen CEOs in the United States, CEOs of big companies who've let greed take over and have destroyed their companies, impacted thousands of workers there who are doing a great job, but, but that greed can so easily come in and you gotta guard your heart against it. Hey, look, greed occurs when we desire the things of this world more than God. And so when you start thinking about the goals of your life, you start thinking about what you're living for, hey, it's, it's good to have things, it's good to have nice things, God wants you to enjoy nice things, but he doesn't want you to enjoy those things more than him. He wants to be a part of the equation. He wants to be the Lord of your life. Trust in him. See, here's what it says in Ephesians. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person. Such a person is an idolater, you put that over God, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. It's pretty strong, right? But now there's grace, the grace of God that covers all sins. God forgives, God redeems, God restores. But God takes it seriously because God wants you to thrive. God wants you to succeed in your relationship with him and with others. Here's what God calls greedy people, fools. <laughs> fools. If you're in a Bible and you wanna turn with me over to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus is teaching and so he's teaching in, in Luke 9, he's teaching about prayer. There's crowds that are all around. I wish I was there. I'd have been taking notes like crazy. It would have been awesome. Like you're just hearing Jesus teach all these red letters in Luke 9 and 10. And then here in Luke 12, right, he's teaching. And, and it says all of a sudden in Luke 12, verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I'm like, what? You know, Jesus is teaching all these deep spiritual truths and, and these warnings, these encouragements. And then this guy like, hey, my brother's not giving me any money. Tell him to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man, who appointed, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator between you? See, the law was very clear back then. The law was this. If the parents died, the oldest son inherited two thirds of the inheritance. The oldest son got two thirds. One third goes to everybody else and they all divide it. And you're going, well, that's not fair, right? You know, but, but here's the deal. Back then, the oldest son had the responsibility to take care of everybody else. So they became you know, the patriarch of the family. They were the ones who were supposed to take care of everything. And obviously this younger guy, younger brother's like, I'm not getting my fair share. Tell my older brother, give me some money. And then he said to them, so now Jesus says to the crowd, not just to this guy, Jesus says to the crowd, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. 
Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That's big. Because we think life consists in the abundance of possessions. We think the more stuff I have, the more time I have, right? I'm getting more stuff. I'm getting more things. We find our identity in that. Do you know, I saw that Nashville, we just went into the top 10 on storage units. Yeah, I'm not kidding, man. We're number seven, actually. The most storage units in America, cities, we're number seven. I mean, I was like, wow, look at that. We're just moving on up there, right? You know, so, but it's amazing. You think about storage units. I mean, like, who thought of that years ago? I mean, now we have storage units because we don't have enough room in our house or our apartment or our condo for our stuff. So we got to get another storage unit for our stuff. It's like, why? Because we think this, that our life consists in the abundance of our possessions. It's okay if you have a storage unit, right? But, but at some point you go, wait a minute, where's my value coming from? Now he tells them a parable. And a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so Jesus goes, here, let me just illustrate this for you. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. So here's this guy, he comes along, he's like, man, I had a great harvest this year. Woo, I rocked it this year. Look at this. Hey, I don't have enough room to store it. I'm gonna build bigger barns. And you're thinking, well, that's not that big of a deal. He's like, I'm gonna retire early. I'm gonna go live on the beach and I'm just gonna hang out and eat, drink, and be merry and let my life pass by, right? But what I want you to see is this. What's wrong with what he said? He never takes God into account, does he? He says, wait a minute. Hey, here's what I'll do. I, I, look what I shall do. I have no place to store my crops. This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. He never says, God, thank you. Because it said the ground of a certain rich man. I mean, he didn't create that ground. He didn't bring the rain down. He, he never said, God, thank you for any of this. He never said, God, what do you want me to do with this? God, is there somebody else I could bless? Is there somebody else I can help? He just said, no, it's about me. It's about me. <laughs> but if you keep going, God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? God goes, your days are numbered, right? On this earth, our days are numbered. You can't take any of it with you. I can't take any of it with us. Somebody's gonna get it. That's why you do your giving while you're living, right? I mean, because somebody's gonna get it. You can either choose now or you can choose later, but what am I gonna do? And then Jesus said, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Guys, that's big right there. How will be whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. God wants you to have things. God wants you. He's blessed you. He's given you things. He's given us. But am I rich toward God? <laughs> am I trusting in him? That's what we've got to come back to. Look, the antidote to greed is generosity. If you watch that bumper, right, it transforms that greed into generosity. That's what God wants to bring into our lives. He doesn't want us to live clenched fist. He wants us to live open-handed. He wants us to live open-handed. You know, we are most like God when we give. Have you ever thought about that? You're most like God when you give, when you see needs and you meet those needs. Hey, for God so loved the world, right? 
that he gave. What did he do? He loved, so he gave. When you fall in love, you wanna give. If you're a parent, you get more excited about Christmas, not because of what you're gonna get, because of what you're gonna give. If you're a grandparent, then you get excited, you're like, I can't wait, and then people are like, what do you want? I don't want anything, are you kidding me? I just can't wait, you're gonna love this, you're gonna love this, and you just get excited about that. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. We know that as we mature physically, but also as we mature spiritually. How can I bless them? How can I encourage them? How can I help them? You know what? That's the antidote, right? Is generosity. See, give your first and your best to God. We talk about this 10, 10, 80 at church, right? Our first 10% to God. You save the next 10%. You live on 80%. And if you're a middle schooler or a high schooler or a college student, and you, if you get this at your age, it's gonna be unbelievable, right? I mean, it's unbelievable. Because you will develop a heart of generosity. And for all of us as adults, if we get this, we're developing a heart of generosity. We're also learning to live below our means. We're learning to save. And there's this incredible thing called compounding interest, which is unbelievable. But, you know, we just start to learn to do things right, to do it the way God wants us, to be a faithful person to the Lord and not just run after every get-rich scheme that's out there, to trust him in that. See, there is so much joy in giving. And you know this in your heart. There's joy I remember taking a mission trip and we took some high school seniors and we went to Jamaica. I know, tough mission trip, right? You know, but, but here we are in Jamaica and, and we were, parents were a little concerned so we stayed in like a nicer place in Ocho Rios and we were working in like a really poor area in Jamaica. But I wanna tell you the Jamaicans are the most joyful people. Love music and, and just food and we would go to the church and kids were coming from all over. We had two to 300 kids. They would just come running up every time we'd pull up in the van and here they come from all over and they're so happy and we had the best time. And at night we would have worship in the church and then we would go to somebody's house and, and they would have like rice and beans and you know, jerk chicken or whatever. I mean, it's just all this. But, but they were so happy and so joyful. And then we would go back over to the resort area and, and people over there, nobody was happy. People were like at the front desk complaining because their towel, they didn't get enough towels, you know, and then they're all on their devices. None of the people are talking. And it was incredible to watch these high school seniors go, hey, wait a minute, I don't want that, I want that. I, I, want, I want that, I want that joy in my life, I want that family, I want people who love each other and care. And I'm like, yeah, that may be the biggest lesson for us all, right there. And it's so easy, it's so easy to just kind of creep in. But man, if we could understand the joy. And don't you know, when you see somebody in need and you give something to them, it just makes you happy inside. You're like, oh, I got to bless them, you know? God's using me. All right, look at this. God changes the world through the generosity of his people. I believe this, right? We are a conduit. And just by virtue of where we live, United States, Williamson County, right? We are a conduit of God's grace. And you guys are amazing and you're so generous. And you think about throughout history, it was churches and it was Christ followers who started the first hospitals, started the first hospice, started the first orphanages, started the first clothes closets and food pantries. It was Christians who just said, you know what, I, I could build bigger barns and bigger things, but, but what if I start blessing other people? I wanna have enough, I wanna be successful, I wanna do those things that God's wired me to do, but I wanna bless others. And there is joy in that. And that's how God changes the world. Okay, we must learn to be content in Christ. You know, as you look at these deadly sins, they all come back to this contentment. They all come back to the centering on Christ, letting Christ be enough to 
us. Here's what Paul writes. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret. Here's the secret of being content in any and every situation. You're like, I want that secret. I want to be content. I don't want to be all stressed out. You know, there's times when people are like, just don't worry, it's gonna be okay. I'm like, I know, but what's the secret? What's the secret? He says, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The secret is living our lives in Christ. The secret is letting Christ be enough for us. The secret is waking up in the morning and going, God, I'm gonna live for you today and not just for myself. God, I'm gonna put my eyes on Jesus and not just the things of this world. I wanna live for your name and your glory. Hey, discontentment, right, leads us to greed. You know, when we're discontent in our marriage, it leads to that lust, right? Or discontent with our bodies, we lead to like gluttony, we don't feel better about ourselves. When we're discontent, right, in our hearts and our lives, we, we, we lead to greed, it's gonna satisfy somehow, some way, but it's not. Fulfillment, true fulfillment, when you find your fulfillment in Christ and not in the things of this world. That's where true fulfillment comes. God, you're enough. God, you're with me. God, you're for me. Hey, allow God to be your provider. Don't think, man, money's gonna satisfy, money's gonna take care of all my problems. Guys, use money. Don't let it use you. Let God be your provider. You know, when God blesses like this guy and he have a great harvest, turn around and go, thank you, God. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Now, now, God, what do you want me to do? You you meet my needs, you bless me, God. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? Live it all for him. You know, I love Jehovah Jireh. The word Jireh literally means the Lord will provide. And if you go back in the Old Testament, there was this guy, Abraham. And Abraham was faithful to God. He was just faithful to God. I'm I'm gonna trust you, God. And he wanted a son. He didn't have a son. And God had promised him, hey, I'm gonna make your your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky. And Abraham's like, that's great, but I don't even have a son. And and when he's 100 years old and his wife is 90, God gives him a son, Isaac. And Isaac's growing up and Abraham's so excited. And then God says, hey, do you love him more than me? And Abraham takes Isaac and he goes up on this mountain. And he has this altar and he's like, God, he's yours. He's yours. And in that moment, he looks over and there's a ram caught in the thicket. And and God says, hey, take that ram and sacrifice that ram to me and not your son. I will provide. And Abraham calls that place Jireh. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. God did in Abraham's life. He was faithful. He was faithful. And, and through Isaac and, and the descendants that keep coming. And now Abraham's the father of three major world religions. I mean, they impact billions of lives. God's just saying, be faithful. Trust me. Put me first. Don't put money, greed, the things of this world. Put me. Later on in that same spot, David, this king who's so rich and he has all this, but he comes in that same spot and he says to the guy who owns that hill, he says, hey, Aruna the Jebusite, I wanna buy this from you. And Aruna the Jebusite says, you're the king, just take it. He goes, no, I'm not gonna give to the Lord something that costs me nothing. I'm gonna, I wanna build a temple here that's gonna impact lives. And he builds a temple there. Solomon builds the temple, his son, and Later on, Jesus is dedicated in that place, in that temple. 
And to think about the impact of faithful people. Think about the impact of generosity. Think about it in your life. Maybe you have a grandparent or a great-grandparent or a mom or a dad who just was faithful, who prayed for you, who passed down generosity to you. Maybe you had a a coach or a a friend or somebody who just passed on generosity to you, who prayed, who took time for you, who gave to you, who encouraged you. Now it's your turn. Now it's my turn. And for us to say, God, you're my provider. God, you will take care of me. You will sustain me. God, let me be a conduit, Father, of your faith, of your grace, of your love for others. I don't know what you walked in with today. Maybe you walked in and you had a worry. Maybe you walked in with fear. Maybe you walked in and you're just like, God, I don't know how I'm gonna make it through. And God says, I do. You trust me. Let me be enough for you. Let me be Jaira, your provider. I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. Maybe today you would just go, you know, the goal of my life, it's been money. It's been possessions. And and God, today, I wanna make it you. Father, speak to me. Maybe today is a day of salvation. Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. God, I give my life to you. Maybe today you just go, you know what, God? I'm tired of living with clenched fists. <laughs> I'm tired of living with this worry and the stress. God, I trust you. God, you're my provider. You're my redeemer. In your life, if you would think that <laughs> God gave you salvation through his son, Jesus, there's nothing God will withhold for you. You are his son. You are his daughter. God loves you with an everlasting love. Whatever you're going through today, trust him. So Father God, here we are. And we proclaim, God, that we want to be rich toward you. We proclaim, God, that you're enough. We proclaim that you are Jireh, our provider. And our faith and our trust is in you. Speak to us right now. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, subscribe to it or share it with some friends. You can also check out some of our other great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit us at our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful for you.